0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Artifice episode 39. Today is a very special day because it's what I'm going to call the finale of Artifice season one. Um, I'm going to give myself a little break. So I'm going to take two weeks off because next Tuesday is Christmas Eve and the Tuesday after that is New Year's Eve. Um, But can I just say, I'm very proud that since this podcast began, I have not taken a single Tuesday off. There has been a new episode every Tuesday, uh, since March when we started, when I started the podcast and I'm I'm just, I'm very proud. So we've, we've made it almost a year. Um, I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. So, uh, in January, I'm going to call it season two and then season two will go the whole year. Um, so it'll be like you know, hopefully, like 50, 50 episodes in 2020. Um, yeah, so I feel extremely accomplished. Um, this endeavor has been a lot of fun. I have met so many amazing people. Um, it's also been very scary. Um, and there have been a lot of things that have been extremely out of my comfort zone. And frankly, some things that have been terrifying to me. So, um, so I'm really proud and I, uh, I, um, I'm so grateful for everyone who's reached out to tell me that they are listening and that they like the podcast. Um, it means so much to me. Like, I think I'd be doing it even if that never happened. Um, because it just, it feels important to me. It feel, they feel like important conversations to be having. Um, but you know, if I ever kind of get one of those days where I think like, no one's listening. This doesn't matter to anybody. Um, I can remember the people who've reached out to me and told me that they're liking it, especially when those things kind of come out of nowhere. It's just the best. So, I mean, if you are listening and you haven't told me you're listening, please tell me. It will totally make my day. And then the only other thing that I want to say is if you are a person who likes the artifice merch that I have been making, which also has been fun and terrifying to do. Um, I have some great sales going on in the month of December. So the gift wrap paper is buy one, get one 50% off. Um, I only have like five packs of the holiday gift wrap left. Um, And then I have these like I think, I can't remember, maybe I said something about it last week, but I made these, what I'm calling the cozy winter bundle, which is two mugs and a really pretty light knit blanket and a hand poured candle from another business owner here in Salt Lake city, or I guess she's in park city. Um, I'm also not in Salt Lake city. So when I say here in Salt Lake city, I just mean here in Utah, really. Um, and anyway, it also has, a. Uh, Dan Tate's gorgeous album, Maybe Love, um, that I'm featured on. And um, like a tea sampler of all my favorite flavors. So you can enjoy your mugs and some tea. Um, And then I also made these limited edition mugs. Sincerely, there are four of them that exist. I only made four. Um, But they're the, the regular artifice mug. But instead of a black print, it's like this really pretty cranberry color. So, you know, for the holidays, and I'm, I'm only, I'm selling them in pairs. So if you want to buy a pair of cranberry colored mugs, um, to give to someone for the holidays, there are, there are two pairs, um, listed on my website. So if that sounds good to you, get while the getting's good. And they're, they're 15% off for the month of December. Um, blah, 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 merch, merch, merch. Um, I think that's it for the intro. It's been so long, but I hope you guys are humoring me because it is. <laughs> season finale. Um, And for this season finale, I'm really pleased that my guest is Mr. Ryan Nielsen. Um, He's a good friend of mine, and he's the perfect person to end the year because he's just very insightful. Um, Ryan has kind of a long bio, so I'm just going to read the first and last paragraphs of his bio. Um, Here it comes. Praised for the breathtaking singing quality of his sound by jazz icon John McNeil, and as a musician of the highest order by renowned orchestral trumpeter Charles Duvall, Ryan Nielsen's lyricism and versatility are rare. His artistry grows out of a love of groove, spirit, and beautiful melody. He began performing professionally at age 17 and has since been a guest artist at concerts and festivals throughout the United States. As a graduate student at Arizona State University, Nielsen studied with David Hickman and Mike Kochor, hope that's pronounced correctly, and received the oh, and received the Doc Severinsen, you guys, that's a jazz musician, award for outstanding classical and jazz trumpet. He then went on to pursue doctoral studies at the New England Conservatory of Music in Boston, where he studied with John McNeil, Ra Kalam, Bob Moses, and Tom Rolfs. Nielsen loves teaching students of all ages and has a reputation as a passionate and inspiring teacher. That's true. He is currently Associate Professor professor of Trumpet at Utah Valley University, and he's just a great guy. I know you guys are going to are going to like what he has to say and it'll, it'll leave the year on a high note. So, uh, you know, without further ado, enjoy your holidays. Enjoy your break. Thanks so much for being here with me on this adventure this year. Um, I'll be back in January with my Dallas series. Um, that's all. Thanks, everybody. Here comes Ryan. Sometimes art feels like magic, pure, visionary, And sometimes, it's brought to you in part by focus groups and algorithms. And the makers of art are no different. We're creatives, sure, but we're also salespeople. We need imagination and imitation. We need deep, meaningful connections. But we also have to network. Yep, even if you're an introvert. And that's my point. Balancing vulnerability with veneer is tricky, and it's a struggle we don't often share. So let's share. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. Today's episode of Artifice is brought to you by Light and Airy Presets. Light and Airy is created by photographer and best friend team Caroline and Anna Marie, who are passionate about helping business owners feel confident about the photos we share. I've sat here in this studio with so many guests who express anxiety about social media, and I've certainly felt the same way. It's a horrible feeling to feel torn between making art that really matters to you and building skills to navigate several social media platforms. I've been using the Light & Airy mobile presets for several months now, and it's really eased my anxiety about posting regular photos. All you have to do is download the free version of the Lightroom mobile app, download the Light & Airy presets, and come away with beautifully edited photos with just one click. If Instagram scares you, like it scares me, head to lightandairyphotog.com and use promo code ARTIFICE10. That's all caps A R T I F I C E 1 0 for 10% off your mobile presets today. Yay, well I'm I'm super excited to talk to you. I I I interview someone like pretty much every week. Yeah. And um A lot of the times I interview people that I've never met, which is, which can be exciting. And sometimes it's like a very beautiful experience because like, it's like instant friends, you know, Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's uncomfortable for me, (laughs) um, because it takes me like a good half hour to realize like what the person's vibe is.
1: yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And by
0: the end, it's almost always great, but, uh, but it's sometimes it's sometimes it feels like a lot of work. And so. I get nervous sometimes, like beforehand, and I didn't feel nervous at all today. Oh, that's so So, awesome. (laughs) And also, like, an afternoon interview just is nice, too.
1: And you said they're usually morning. I
0: almost always do them in the morning. Wow. I've done like two at night and maybe like one other afternoon one out of like 37. So, you know. Nice. Yeah.
1: Well, Bear's enjoying it. So.
0: And we can, I welcome all kinds of tangents. Uh, anything that's kind of been on your mind, you can feel free to like bring it up. Okay. Um, even if I don't like bring it up. Yeah. Um, but I, I like to start with people at the beginning. Um, so I always ask people first, like, what were you like as a creative child? And what was kind of like the first evidence of your creative sparkle as a little boy?
1: Creative sparkle. I was trying to think about that cause you sent a couple of those questions and that was an interesting thing to try to ask myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Musically, I was around a lot of music. So my mom played piano. Cool. And I heard that all the time in my house. She was also a Barry Manilow aficionado.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Um, But
1: she was also, like, when I look back on it now, uh, I mean, she was listening to Dionne Warwick and Whitney Houston and, like, just like these incredible. So there was a lot of that. And then my dad was a music teacher. Cool. And so I was, I, I have memories as a little kid, uh, like emotional memories yeah. of going to see his concerts, seeing him conduct yeah. and just being affected by that. So those are some of my earliest memories, but my earliest memories, like just creating yeah. is like spaceship in a cardboard box. Yeah. Pretend. Right? It's like a lot of yeah. my
0: guests say, like t- <clears throat> talk about like kind of their, ma- their child make believe. And I, I, I like to ask when I, when I interview people who, whose parents are artists I'm always curious, like how that changes your relationship to art. Like, obviously, you know, we only have the experiences we have. And my experience is that, like, I was the lone artist in the family, and and really, like, in the extended family, in some ways, mm. um, a lot. A lot of the women on my mom's side of the family are like excellent crafters, and do like beautiful things. But, you know, uh, it's maybe they wouldn't call it art. I don't know. And on my dad's side of the family, like. No one, you know, really.
1: It's just blank.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's doctors and lawyers and businessmen and and really, like, I have one uncle who's like like fairly artistic, but a yeah. doctor. Um, actually, I have one of my uncles married someone who's an artist. So now I have like I have like there a, are two. Yeah, I don't know, an <laughs> uncle-in-law who's a who's an, a great artist. Um, but yeah, did, yeah, so as for you as a child. Um, did music feel like, did it feel creative to you or did it kind of just feel like this is something we do in my family?
1: Uh, probably a little of both. My i my first experience with music lessons was with my mom as my piano teacher, and that was Mm -hmm. kind of a thing where it's like, well, we're going to have you do this for a year. Yeah, and I didn't particularly enjoy that. Who does
2: Um, when you're a little kid?
1: Yeah, I'd rather be outside pretending to find dinosaur bones in Sandy, Utah. Yeah, but um,
0: (laughs) I mean, they're probably. There are dinosaur there bones in Sandy Utah. There probably are,
1: I realized that like two weeks ago. I was like, wait a second. There may this have been This is like the dinosaur, dinosaur
0: bones <laughs> capital
1: of like the world, isn't it? Right. Like, aren't,
0: doesn't Utah have like tons of dinosaur bones?
1: I think so. But yeah. I missed that. I missed that calling. Didn't I didn't actually
0: find any. I
1: never yeah. did. But I, um, but there was always a lot of space around music. My, In fact, mm-hmm. my mom was always like, please don't go into music. Yeah. Like, go do accounting, do something else. And and all growing up, I was set on actually being an astronomer. Mm-hmm. Like, I was fascinated with there's science stuff and space, yeah. yep. And uh,
0: So there were kind of like preconceptions about, about the arts, even as your parents were maybe more involved than some people. Like, maybe there's kind of like yeah. a... This isn't what you do.
1: It was like, well, I mean, it was half. Jo- it was half joking. Yeah, but I think only half. I yeah. mean, it's like it's you know.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, my dad's whole career was as a as a music teacher, and he had a beautiful career, and just retired last year actually. But, um, but I do. My mom was all. There was just space there. My parents never forced us to practice. Never. You mean, yeah. Never. And, and
0: they let it be, it was just there, it was just, yes, that's lovely. very much
1: so. And so, and people have, because me and all my siblings play music, yeah. like all of us kind of gravitated that in some form. Yeah. Um, several of us professionally. That's cool. And, uh, and it's just, I think when I look back on that, I think it's because there was just so much space. Yeah. It was like this is where you can go and be whatever you're gonna be, and yeah, and we're kind of hands off, right? It's like we're just gonna yeah. let you go down that however I think far that's you go.
0: Wonderful. I you, do you ever teach children? You most you sometimes teach mostly adults.
1: Mostly adults.
0: Yeah, I I struggle when I'm teaching little kids to get parents to like accept that kind of thing, and like obviously as the teacher, you know, I'm challenging my students, but when kids are really young, like I would say, you know, younger than like 11 or 12, Mm -hmm. it's got to be like so free. Yeah. Like I will challenge them and push them, but I'll do it in a way where like, it's always kind of like responding to their interest Mm -hmm. and never like about excellence. Um, I think that's so important. Yeah. And I think a lot of people whose parents are excellent musicians, like maybe aren't great at like letting their kids kind of, there's pressure.
1: I think so. So
0: that's great that that you didn't feel that.
1: Yeah, no, I felt, I mean, there was some, I also saw an intensity to the toxic side of pressure Yeah. Uh, because my older brother, Justin, incredible pianist, he was truly prodigious. Yeah. Like in his, by the time he was 12, wow. he was competing in national things. Excellent. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And practicing six to eight hours a day. Oh and like, and so I had to kind of, and I watched, initially, his trajectory was in classical piano. Yeah. And I watched that just kind of yeah. with trepidation. How much older <laughs> you know? was he? He's he almost two years. He's okay. the oldest. Yeah. Just a little so older. Just a little you. older. Yeah. We were very close. Yeah. And so when I'm watching him go to these competitions, and they're coming back with these stories of, and actually one of my kind of most moving memories and a young impression of art and creativity mm-hmm. was that at one point I was like going through a closet that I probably shouldn't have been going through yeah, as a kid. Looking
0: for Christmas gifts <laughs> for or something. whatever, yeah. <laughs>
1: and I stumbled across this short story that he wrote.
2: Yeah.
1: And that he had written as a 13 year old. Wow. And it was about the, 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 the plot of the story was a kid who went to a classical piano competition, played with all of his heart. Yeah. People in the audience were crying, but then he lost the competition oh, because no. he missed two notes.
2: Oh no. It was a
1: really powerful yeah. story to me actually. I yeah. like I really kind of carry that with me still. I
0: mean, how could you not? Yeah. So So, so how like aware or like what was your kind of like skill set like, you know, or or uh, vocabulary for talking about or understanding that like toxicity like as a younger person?
1: Oh, I think it was just like uh, Whoa! I don't like that. You <laughs> I, mean, just I kind didn't of have a language to, for to it. Know, like, yeah. I don't want to. But I watched it affecting him. Like yeah. I watched, I saw that. Yeah. It yeah. just. And Did later it... would get myself into trouble. Yeah. <laughs> because I would show, like this was just a few years ago. I showed up at the, for work and and it on a Saturday, and it turned out to be a day they were hosting a. A big piano festival, and yeah, and I just saw these little kids lined up by the doors, and they're like freaking out, and their parents are like, "You need to do the, you know," and I, it was, and I, and I got, and I just, I said, "Hey, can I have everyone's attention?" Because it was in the hallway outside my office, and I said. None of this matters. You gotta, you gotta this just doesn't breathe. like. It's yeah. okay. And I said to the kids, I said, you know what? It's okay. Just go in and play wherever you are right now. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You know. And and it was funny to watch their bodies just chitter yeah. this exhale in the kids, totally. and some of the parents were like legitimately upset with me. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you oh know, yeah. For I saying mean, that
1: doesn't that. surprise
0: and me at all. It was really interesting. It's, it's but crazy. That stuff. It, it's so true. And like, you know, for him to miss like two notes, it just teaches you to be obsessed with those two notes yeah. instead of the thousands of notes that were, you know, like objectively. Right. And that's not even considering like the thousands of other things that are like just totally subjective. Right. We, right. I don't know. I feel like I, no one talked about art with me that way ever. Maybe. Like I in mean, terms
1: of the toxicity, no, or, yeah,
0: and in terms of like that it's subjective, and that like like I never had a teacher like verbalize any of that stuff to me of like you know it's okay if like not everybody likes this, definitely, not everyone will like it,
2: hmm.
0: like it's not about like being exactly right, right, um, that's stuff that I like had like light bulbs about like after grad school,
1: I think you know me i. In many ways, that's true for me too. Yeah. Um, I, because I, the way I was kind of trained in learning jazz specifically and improvising was this kind of like you learn, you learn by copying and you copy a bunch of people. And if you copy enough, then eventually that becomes your voice yeah. kind of thing. Uh-huh. But what I didn't realize that I had a, taken as an assumption from that is yeah. nothing inside you. Yes. Is good enough yeah. to be worth offering. Totally. So you need to take what everyone else is doing because that's what good is. Yeah. And I didn't even realize that I'd inherited that. Yeah. Until my first rehearsal with um Rockalon Bob Moses's ensemble in my doctoral degree. Oh
2: my gosh! So yeah. I'm
1: 31. Yeah. And I'm <laughs> and I'm in this rehearsal and. And we played this tune and he always played with his groups and everyone, we went around the group and everyone took their solo and he just kept playing. And then I took my solo and he just stopped the group. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what What did did I do? do? And he's like, he's like, man, everything you played sounded good, but
2: why, why don't
1: you play what you hear is what he asked me. Yeah. And I seriously, like I full on teared up. Like I was like, it like just, this thing went through me. Like, wait a second like I had truly never considered yeah. the possibility that there was something inside me that would be worth sharing with another human being. Yeah,
0: I like hardcore have uh, experienced that as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's,
1: and so it's rough stuff. that was a, I mean, you talk about light bulbs around yeah. this idea of like toxic. I didn't even know I had the toxic yeah. ideas until that moment. It was yeah. like, Oh my gosh, this I, is a different thing now.
0: And if you're like me, I get such mixed feelings about it because you know, it's not like transcribing was bad for me, you know, but it's no, like, no, no, no. I needed to, I, I needed someone to verbalize that to me. I don't know that all students do, I did um, too. but yeah, I needed it. Cause my self-worth was so low as a student. Um, you know, I think some students, they don't need that to be said because like their parents have been telling them like what you have to say is worthwhile or, you know, they mm-hmm. just, they just, they kind of get it. Um, and yeah, some of us, like if someone doesn't say it, we aren't going to realize it until we're older.
1: Yes. <laughs> or no. never, maybe. I need, mean, Like I said, yeah. that was like a, wait, is that even a possibility yeah. for me? I think there's something beautiful about realizing that later, though. Yeah. I think, I there's... think it makes
0: you really empathic. Yeah, what were you going to say?
1: Um, well, I've been thinking a lot about um, identity how they How do. identity interacts with art, right with yep. what I do as an artist
0: that's this whole podcast
1: <laughs> so well, that's nice that's a good topic, but I just think um I was so lucky to have a couple of mentors who were able to help me create space between my sense of self and my performing yeah, they Keeping were able to more open specific that. about that yeah, absolutely um. So part of it that that story I just told was the beginning of, yeah. of realizing that how well I played wasn't an indication of my worth as a human being.
0: Yeah, I still struggle with that. Me too. I have to remember it like, yeah, I have to like tell myself. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then uh, I had another mentor, John McNeil, uh, who he just I asked him once, hey, John, what's the biggest problem facing music students today? And he said, oh, that's easy. They try to play well. Yeah, and I went. What? Uh, what are you talking about? Yeah. Of course, we try to play well. He's like, no, no, that's the whole problem. Nobody yeah. plays bad on purpose. And he started to talk to me. The things he would say to me were things like, "Be ordinary, Ryan. Like, what's ordinary to you is who you are. Yeah. If it's obvious to you, that's you. If yeah. it's not obvious to you, you're reaching. You're leaving your center. Yeah. And that was so. That's huge. Huge for yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, it still I, scares me to death, like, cause, yeah. cause I have all this stuff that I could play that I know will sound Yeah, and little meet People go, wow. Yeah. Or I could play what I'm actually hearing yeah. and offer that. And that's always a, a, a radical leap of trust.
0: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so. I, yes, I, I've just only recently started, you know, being more intentional about those things and being kind of like very intentionally present when I'm singing, um, and trying to be like, you know, I have opinions about the word authentic, but like what I think is authentic. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, I think sometimes when we get like too obsessed with like, what's authentic, we don't stay curious about ourselves and what we can do. So a flexible authenticity, a, a curious authenticity. Um, but yeah, I still, I feel like I struggle like, you know, if someone is critical of a performance that I've done where I feel like I was really present and authentic, mm-hmm. that hurts so much more than if someone is critical over a performance that I felt like I was doing it like excellently, like by rote. Right. So that's like that's like that vulnerability stuff that you just got to like, you know, yeah. take a deep breath and like let it wash over. Totally. It's hard work though. And I think a lot of people I mean, at least like the people in that I like the non artists that I spend a lot of time with, they do not understand that that's work and it's like, it's really hard work. Yeah.
1: There's something about, um, there's something about the way that what we do creates bridges to spaces inside us that we didn't even know were there. Yeah. And, um, there has to be so much, for me, there has to be like a lot of compassion
2: yeah.
1: uh, that I'm carrying with myself to allow that
2: yeah.
1: and to just, and then to offer that and to say this is, but I also yeah. think there's a safety uh, to it. I think that, um, I love that you, I, I'm very interested in what your issues with the word authenticity are, yeah. but but that, but um, there's something about the fact that if I play from a really honest space.
2: Yeah.
1: And if I'm playing about something that might be incredibly vulnerable. Yeah. The only people that are going to actually hear that are the ones who are safe.
0: Open to it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. They yeah. have to have lived something that allows them to recognize what I'm saying.
2: Yeah. Yeah
1: and that's really interesting to me.
2: Yeah, that I think there's you're a right.
1: safety in the abstraction of music that is compelling to me.
0: Oh, totally. Like let's let's get into that because w- so, you know, when this whole podcast is about art art identity, yeah. you know, I've it's I've been saying, I've been like remarking on this in interviews lately. So, you know, I may be a, I may be kind of a broken record about it, but it's a difficult thing to talk about because not everybody is thinking about it. So like I'm asking people and sometimes they're like, what? I don't I don't think about it like that. But I feel like, so you said something before about how like art can be a bridge. Bear is really struggling. He has an itch on his head and other <laughs> things are going on. <laughs> He's probably hearing some jingling in the microphones um, from his little collar. And it's also possible that Andrew just got home and that's why Bear's ears are like Oh. If Andrew's home, Bear will run out of here. Anyway, you said something about how art can like build bridges to places inside of us. How did you put it? That we like yeah. don't even know are there. Mm-hmm. So okay, so this is kind of like where I get like sometimes a little stuck with authenticity because I I totally agree with that. I think you know art art can tap into things that we aren't prepared to verbalize, maybe could never verbalize, uh, maybe cannot express another way, and I think sometimes when people talk about authenticity, they do it in this kind of two dimensional way where they're expecting for the way that they perceive an artist or just a person, but for the sake of this conversation, an artist to like line up perfectly with their art. Um, they like, they expect for there to be like, like if it's authentic, it will remind me of you. Right. Like if it's authentic, it will look like, sound like move like you. When maybe, like, the art allows, like, a part of you that's way more wild or, like, way more free or more organized or, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. to exist in a way that might not match, like, how you walk around in the world. Yeah. And I find myself, like, plagued by that idea.
1: I... I've come to call that master chef syndrome.
0: Oh, okay, tell me <laughs> and about what it. I
1: mean is, yeah. right? Like you'll see these people go on 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 Master Chef or whatever the cooking show may be and they'll cook something and the judges will be like cuz they talk about authenticity in a, in a way that's extraordinarily reductive and problematic in yeah. my mind, right? So they're like, "Well, they'll talk to somebody who maybe has like Vietnamese heritage and, the, yeah. and they'll cook something that's not Vietnamese and they'll be like, I feel like you're not being you. Yeah. And then yeah. And it gets really dark, right? Yeah. It's, to me. And then they'll cook something that their grandma and they'll say, okay, this is you. Yeah. And I think those are really related to what you're saying, totally. right? I have this preconception about who you are. Mm-hmm. And I will accept that.
0: Yeah. And it prevent. I think it prevents us from being curious about other people and it prevents us from being curious about ourselves sometimes. So um, that's something that I, I think about a lot, especially like, you know, when we're, when we, when we're starting to get a little bit less like philosophical about art and we're starting to think more about like branding, marketing, Mm. which like for freelance artists, you have to, you have to do it. There are a lot of ways to do it, but you know, Choosing a a presentation that people will accept based on what they know about you, based on what they think your art looks like, sounds like, feels like, tastes like, whatever. I think that I have to imagine that that is um, like upsetting or frustrating or at least uh, interesting to many many artists in a way that I'm super curious about
1: that experience of people trying to put you in a box
0: or yourself, like trying to think like, what else can I do? Like, what am I allowed to try? What am I allowed? Like, what do I have permission to like explore or like lately I've been kind of obsessed with the idea of like having ownership over your creativity, you know, like at what point can you take some of those things you've transcribed and really feel like these are me. These are mine, because it's both, you know. Like it's like you have sure, all of these. Sure, there are influences. Um, yeah, I think I, about that stuff a lot.
1: Totally. Um, I feel like for for me, there's there are kind of there are multiple pieces of art that I'm really interested in, and one of those pieces is is maybe we could call it in, inculturation or or or. It's, it's the things we inherit right it's our yeah. influences right
0: like but, a, her- a heritage a co- of, sure yeah
1: and then and then there's but then there's something more I really like for me my experience of 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 my art and music the that the, the reason that I keep coming back to it is that it it puts me in touch with these places inside that mm. uh, that are that run deeper than enculturation yeah. And, um, and I, and that does get really hard when you start talking about branding because everything I just said would not work as a one line yeah. <laughs> website, anything, it's tricky. but, but that's what I'm most interested in right now. There's a, there's a poet named John O'Donohue who I love and he talks a lot about beauty, yeah and he talks about just what you were just saying, it reminded me of this, but he talks about beauty being a, an unfolding mm. this continual unfolding yeah and that and that really as we go deeper as we as we experience more of ourselves
2: yeah
1: we move away from simplistic reductions like biography yeah. And we move into these realms of experience that he calls thresholds. Yeah. These places of in between transition. Mm. Um, and I feel like the art that I am the most interested in, the mark that, that moves me, that feels authentic yeah. as problematic as yeah. that is, is people who are willing to inhabit a space like that.
0: totally? Which I think like if you're inhabiting that, that in between weird space, it's tricky to maybe even call that authentic. Cause it's like new. You know sure. what I mean? Yeah, no,
1: absolutely. So that's
0: the other thing. Like, I feel like if if we're too like, well, this is who I am and this is how I am and this is what I do. Like, how do you stay on that creative edge? Or like, yes. how do you stay kind of changing if you feel like, you know, the change is like some kind of a betrayal of your authentic self right. or, right. you know, I mean, and, and, and I think what you said before about how like, you know, if you are being like whatever you feel is authentic and that it may be like, you know, you're evolving, you're changing, but you're doing it, your your motivation is kind of, I don't know, honest or something. Uh, you know, the people who are going to receive that the way that you mean for them to are, are the audience that you're looking for, mm-hmm. you know, so it's maybe it's maybe like less of an issue in practice uh, because the people who are like, this isn't you they're just not your intended audience and you don't need to try to like convince them.
1: Maybe that's true. I don't know. Um, that's...
0: yeah, I don't know. It's tricky stuff though.
1: I think it requires a reframing of our relationship to ourselves. You, there's cause when you talk about, well, I, this is what I, this is who I am. Anybody, I shouldn't say it that way in my, in my own life when I had an absolutely certain idea of who I was,
2: yeah.
1: Uh, that actually came out of fear.
0: Yeah, totally. Cer- I mean, I'm sure we have like cer- literally the same experience with that. <laughs> we
1: have so much in common that way, <laughs> but, but even artistic, right. It came out of fear. The reason yeah. I was holding, if we go back to the idea of yeah. copying our heroes and our mentors, yeah. part of why I did that is because I was afraid that there wasn't something inside me mm-hmm. like there was in them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Right. And yeah. so when that shifts, and you start letting go of that certainty, you you start to experience, I think I started to experience just something so much more expansive inside yeah. that yeah. I could not define. Yeah. That I could not put in a box, that I could no longer put lines around totally. and and measure. Yeah. It's a and 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 that kind of brings me back to that poet John O'Donohue that I love. He talks so much about that infinite. that's inside. And that, and I think as a creative artist, when I shift from trying to create my own orthodoxy about my identity to discovery.
0: Totally. And like, that is the authenticity. Like the authenticity is like following that kind of chaotic, like there is some chaos to it. Yeah. Yeah. I like it though. I mean, I feel very like, I know you and I are both like fans of Brene Brown and she she talks about like how does she put it like i mean the 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 guidepost that's about like faith and uncertainty and like i like to apply that to like th- these things like having certainty about like who i am what i'm supposed to do what i like uh it can be more comfortable sometimes or having certainty about it um and having faith about it and kind of being totally comfortable in uncertainty is sort of a chaos, but if you practice, practice it, it the chaos gets comfier, you know, sure. and then it fe- feels maybe like exciting instead of like horrifying, yeah, or something. I don't uh. know. It's it feels like a pr- something that I practice to me.
1: The like practicing is sitting practicing, in the uncertainty,
0: yeah. Practicing yeah. being like dramatically uncomfortable and like shattering a new comfort zone, like as often as I can. Wow. I, I'm i actually like, I'm pretty good at it. My therapist will tell me like, <laughs> I'll, I'll be like, Oh my gosh, Samantha, like, I'm so I'm so uncomfortable. Like I'm doing all these things that scare me so bad. And she's like, you just keep doing it though. And I feel like, yeah, you're, I really do. <laughs> <Just> like <laughs> staying so dramatically uncomfortable. <laughs>
1: totally. That's been I mean, for me watching from the, from a little bit of a distance watching you, that's an impression I've had of all the yeah. adventures you, you go after. I, But that's, no, I think that practice, that's the practice. Yeah. And the I practice and I, is like becoming like the letting go of certainty. Yeah. I think that's, and I talk about it with my it students, is.
0: like pretty directly, like, you know, my job is to keep you out of your comfort zone all the time. Like that's. I see that as my job as your teacher, like Mm. keep you uncomfortable all the time. And maybe like, you know, once a year we'll go back and look at what you were, what you were doing last year. That was so uncomfortable. And you'll be shocked to realize how comfy it feels because you've stayed uncomfortable for 12 months, Mm. you know? And then like what was uncomfortable 12 months ago is like, I didn't realize how comfy it was. Yeah. Cause I've the, the feeling that I've gotten now used to, it's being totally uncomfortable. <laughs> you know what i mean?
2: I'm
1: going like, through this life with discomfort.
0: The complete normal way and if i'm not always feeling like challenged <laughs> then, you know, i don't know. That's it's something that i'm talking about with my students lately. Yeah. So i'd love to go back and just talk like talk more about how you um like became a professional musician okay. and maybe can we talk about like that time in, you know, i'm assuming you have some kind of a time in your youth where you started really getting serious about your skill set?
1: I'm very much a late bloomer that way. I didn't start actually being consistent. That's how I define seriousness. Yeah. Yeah. The day that I decided to deal with fundamentals on a regular basis, mm-hmm. that's literally where I map it to. And for me, that didn't happen until I was 21.
0: Wow, that's great.
1: I'm very late to I the,
0: mean, I think it's awesome. So. Like. Yes. I mean, okay. So I have more questions about this, but I, but I do want to just acknowledge, like, I think a lot, I talk a lot in this podcast about like how, at what points in our, in life we lose creatives. And like 18 years old is one of those points hmm. where people are like doing, you know, choir, band, art classes in high school, and then they stop. So I love hearing that you like were starting later. So like maybe at the point that you like graduated from high school, yeah, what was going on with your creativity and your artistic I mean, skills then?
1: At that point, I, I mean, I had decided to be a, I had decided to be a music major, um, and I and I majored. In college, but I did not practice like okay. the, So, so I played in ensembles. I would play in as many groups as I could for fun.
0: In high school or in college?
1: In, in high school, yeah, I did. School. I did choir. I was the choir president. Cool. So um, you were doing. I mean, you I was were around music. Yeah. But did I, it
0: feel like it was part of your identity?
1: For sure. Yeah. But in the rigid way we were just talking yeah, about. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It would. Okay. It would have been very threatening to me to mm-hmm. have someone challenge that part of so my identity. You were then. getting
0: some validation about your playing or like, why was it part of your identity or
1: I, well, I, I mean my, the identity that I, let me think about that. Why was it part of my identity?
0: Like that's what when do you I,
1: think, it like... was in high school choir when I was given the opportunity to direct the choir mm. that I had a very fish in water experience where mm. it was like, Oh,
0: something about this, this feels like something. Feels,
1: yes. Yeah. And so that was really important to me. Yeah. And then, um,
0: so maybe, and then I was
1: also like the jazz guy. So like we'd go to school dances and I would beg the DJs to play Harry Connick Jr. (laughs) Or something.
0: And then everyone loved that. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So, and then my friends and I would stand around in a circle at the victory dance and, Sing jazz solos together oh while they gosh. were playing it's super that's insufferable. nerdy. It is insufferable. <laughs> that's the perfect word for that.
0: So maybe like <laughs> but, so you was, had those kind yeah, of little sparks about yes. like, oh, this is something, this is tapping into something. For sure. And maybe we're worried that like you couldn't like manifest it. Is that why that identity felt like fragile?
1: I definitely think that's part of it. Yeah. I mean it's really scary. It was really scary to me to, to get to the point where I said, maybe the, per, like, maybe I'm not getting better because I need to work harder. Yeah. Maybe I need to, Fixed mindset. maybe, maybe I need to slow down yeah. and deal with these fundamentals in a small room by myself yeah. for thousands of hours. Well, that
0: isn't, I mean, that's you kind know? of like, that's like the, the, the the reason for this, I mean, are you familiar with fixed mindset, growth mindset? Sure. Mm-hmm. I know Alex Heilinger loves it and you guys are colleagues. So I, I assume that's something you've talked about, but I mean that I think that like, um, this fear that like I need to practice or I need to like, you know, work on my skill, uh, For some people, it's like, oh, this is a beautiful thought. Like, I can practice and I can get better and my skills are not fixed. And for some people, it's this horror. Like, if I need to practice, maybe it means my skills are not fixed. Right. Um, Which I think, you know, as teachers, like, we can't verbalize it enough. Um, And, you know, like, this conversation, I mean, this podcast is limited to artists, but, like, surely these thoughts are, like... It, they're hu- They're just human. <laughs> you know, they're just things that right? we all yeah. deal with. Um, I have one more question about like pre-college, which is when you like, I don't know, made the announcement or the decision, you know, you made you, the decision was made public that you were going to major in music.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Did What kind of reception did you get from people that, whose opinions you cared about? Support. They were supportive. That's it great. Was,
1: it was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Do and it.
0: I like to ask for, I mean, it's great that most of my guests say like people were supportive, but I think if yeah. you have a situation where everyone is like, oh, sweetheart, you can't, you'll never make it. Yeah. Um, well, that's, There's a, a story there. So. There are
1: stories. So uh, when I first made the announcement, my, I mean, my mom was like, okay, fine. You know, I told you and my dad, Yeah, she's kind of like, you know, but. So there was generally support, and in my high school, people saw me as a music person. So they're kind of like, "That makes sense." But I had experiences later mm. um, that were um, really challenging that way. The I I uh, when I the first time that I ad- auditioned um, at our sister you know, institution have, to the
0: south, we've talked. You know, I had the same thing as you. We had the same thing, yeah, right? We yeah. should tell the listener. So you, you go for it because it's your episode. <laughs> But but well, just that I auditioned
1: when I auditioned uh, down there uh, at BYU and I I auditioned for them, and they literally sent me a form letter that said, You will never be successful in music. You need to change your major.
0: Barf, I got it too. I mean, I can't believe that's real. Like, I had almost forgotten it. And then when you posted about it, I was like, I thought that maybe I had like remembered it dramatically, but like, no, it was a form letter saying like, you didn't get in and you're never going to, and you're never going to do this anywhere. And you need to take another major. It was like box checked.
1: Like you need to change your major. This isn't going to work out for you. I
0: swear my letter like said, like we had this many Sopranos audition and you were this number out of this (laughs) many. Like I swear it had numbers. I can't wow. prove it. I don't have the letter you don't still, have the but letter. like, I I swear it was like we had 500 Sopranos audition, yeah. and you were like 300 something. Yeah. Oh, Wow. It's horrifying. I cannot.
1: That's pretty heavy. I mean,
0: I can't believe it. Except that I can totally believe it. I Can it. totally
1: believe it. <laughs> so.
0: And look at us. We're both was, professional musicians, and both were faculty at BYU yeah, for that's years. Right. So, so, I just, so ironic I can't even handle it the
1: irony is so fun and I'm you know I've, I have since been invited to present master classes and yeah, things you know so, so crazy and and but to me that was a really important experience as a teacher because it yeah. taught me no one has a crystal ball
2: yeah and anybody who does kids. that's
1: sort of like Okay, if you think you can predict who's going to do this and who's not, then we don't have enough in common to talk about teaching. Heart that's how boy, I. Amen. That's yeah. how I feel about that. And why uh, is
0: it so hard for people? It's so hard for people. I've seen it happen what? a million times. Like staying curious about your students, oh. not making your mind up about or your peers.
1: I think. I mean, that's wow. That's a really interesting question. I All I can say is at this point in my career as a teacher, I, this is my 14th year teaching in higher education with music majors. and I have seen so many high aptitude kids quit
2: mm-hmm. yeah,
1: and I have seen almost so I often. mean I've almost more often because yeah. they hit that wall and yeah. they're not used to dealing with that resistance. Yeah. they don't know how to just keep at it. Yeah. And then I've seen so many come in who. Like I have had students come in and who are playing at an eighth grade level yeah. who go on to do wonderful things in yeah. music and get totally. into great programs. And, and so I feel like, yeah, I've, I've completely let go of the, the only, I guess this, there's one thing that I think is an accurate crystal ball, but it can develop at any time. What is it? I think this is my, you know, yeah. I'm super, um, I'll tell it as a story. My okay. wife is an artist and one summer uh, she was accepted to this really cool academy for illustrators back in Virginia. And we went there and one of the teachers there happened to be a jazz fan. And he started talking to me cool. and asking me, this is early in our marriage. Well, what, what are you going to write? What are your plans? And I yeah. tell him, I want to be a jazz musician and a yeah. music teacher. And he's going, okay, artists, and this is not how are you guys going to pay any bills basically? And, and so he says, so he starts grilling me. He's like, well, have you heard of this person? What's your favorite album of this? And I'm like, Oh yeah, I love them. And I just, and because there was this, he, he he just grilled me for like five minutes. And when he realized that I was so in love with it, that I was listening to it all the time, he kind of backed off and he went,
2: Mm. you're going to be fine. Yeah.
1: Right. And I do think there's something to like, if there is a predictor, it's how much they do it because they just love it and want to be around it.
0: Yes. Yeah. When I have, um, when I have, you know, so I have the, the, the luxury, I think of teaching like real beginners and teaching beginners, um, who, there's no, because there's no institution, Mm -hmm. uh, it's, you know, I, there are some real benefits I think to just teaching privately outside of an institution. And sometimes I'll have, you know, either a parent of a child or, or an adult beginner say to me, like, you know, am I hopeless? Or like, you know, can you, can you help me? Can you fix me? You know, whatever. Um, and I always tell them, you know, like in my experience, there are, there are three things that are difficult to fix. Uh, like bad pitch Uh, but like I've seen it happen like Mm -hmm. it's difficult but if you want to do it you can do it like I have had students who come to me in a way that I think people would call them tone deaf and several years later they are not yeah I don't know that you know they're maybe ever gonna have perfect pitch but certainly functionally Mm -hmm. tuned Um, like like really struggling to like you know stay with a beat it's hard to fix we can do it and the third thing that I always tell people is just like you know, it's that intangible, like, do you love it? Like, does it, does it move you? Like, do you feel, and I have seen like maybe two students have light bulbs there. So like you said, it can happen anytime, but I don't think, I don't know as a teacher if there's a way to like turn it on.
1: The, the X factor. Yeah. I see, I've, seen, I've I watched it feel, happen. I've I do been, feel like it's communal. Yeah. I've like been in the, the room
0: w- while it happens, like. Two times I've had and two that's students that i just like yeah i see them like be like oh, i am an artist
2: right it just and that's that them. like
0: that's what i call like ownership like just realizing like i can steer this like hmm. i'm not just repeating stuff you know like they i watch the goal i watch the like goal post move wow that's what i think it looks like but maybe it's also just like an interest you know a passion
1: i think for me, the funny thing there is I wasn't comfortable talking about myself as an artist until one of my mentors just off the cuff said that about me. Wow. And I, and, and I can't even... Oh, I, it, was, uh, it was John McNeil. He, he he lives in Brooklyn. I'd gone to visit him. I went to the MoMA yeah. and, and came back and he said, tell me about it. And I just started talking about my experience yeah. there. And he just said, well, of course you're an artist. Yeah. Like oh, as though wow. that were obvious. I
0: need that. And I, I just to went, have that I just went, what?
1: Like I had, again, never dared yeah. go, Oh, I'm, it was really this Wait, yeah. I'm an artist. Really? Like, is that a thing? Yeah. And that I at that point so, I'm 35. Yeah.
0: So <laughs> many know, of my guests so. who are professional artists in this room will be like, I've never thought of myself as an artist. Wow. I think that's a really common. Wow. What, what, like, why do you think, why is, it, why is it hard? Um, why is it hard for us?
1: I don't know. I mean, maybe part of us that I put it on a pedestal that's not there.
0: You know, I think that, that thing is kind of easy for me and like identifying as an artist... And I wonder if for me, it's just that simple fact that like, I didn't grow up around any artists. It was so like apparent to me that I was like thinking about things differently. (laughs) It was so like, like like... dramatically clear to me that like my perspective was different that I thought like, well, it must be because I'm some kind of artistic type of a person.
1: (laughs) So that's hilarious.
0: (laughs) So maybe, so maybe it's, maybe it just is evidence that you're around a lot of really like beautifully minded people. Maybe. So what happened? So you went, you you majored in music, but you yeah. were still kind of like not practicing. You were Definitely. still like,
1: I think that like uh, moving I,
0: through fear. I currently
1: live the karma of what I did to my teachers my freshman year mm. on a regular basis. So that's great. Uh, yep, yeah, um, <laughs>
0: it's an exercise in empathy.
1: What happened? Part of it was finding a teacher who really had the tools to help me. Yeah, was finding a teacher who I could tell when I did what he asked me to. That that I started actually improving. That was wow. Marcellus Brown, who I still just I feel so much uh, gratitude to him. Um, so I think that was huge. Yeah. I think part of it is just my prefrontal cortex finally it finished just, forming. You just right to there get was older. a yeah. I think that it's just part of it. Just yeah. getting older, um, and just realizing that I wanted more. I wanted more freedom.
2: Yeah. And that's that, really interesting. And the
1: only way to get that freedom was going to be to deal with fundamentals mm-hmm. every single day. Yeah. And Go in a mirror, go look, go in a small room, look in the mirror and say, what are my weaknesses? Yeah. And to very systematically start dealing with those.
0: That really is like, that's such a, I mean, I, I, I talk about that with my students too, that like working on like technique. I think this might be like a vocalist thing too. Like I think s- singers, maybe also pianists, I don't know, get like obsessed with technique and don't think about artistry. Mm. I always tell my students like technique is just like it gives you options. Like yeah. the 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 reason to work on technique is so that you can create the sounds that you hear. Mm-hmm. Um and you're not limited by like a like a, a reduced palette. Yeah. Which of course, like, the, we all know people who like have a very reduced palate who still create, like, yeah. amazing, amazing things. Amazing, right? Which my, is all the evidence you need to know that technique is not the thing.
1: Right. <laughs> no, my, my Desert Island track is uh, Antonio Carlos Jobim singing Aguas de Marso with Eli Cachina. Yeah. And it's, I mean, he, his voice is zero technique. Yeah. And it's one of the most beautiful. It's three minutes of sheer beauty and joy. And I could listen to it a million times. So I, I love how you framed that. Like, it's not the thing. But it has been incredibly important to me. Yeah. And also, as trumpet player, I mean we get every trumpet player I know gets injured. It's an extraordinarily Mm. physical instrument. So technique is also
0: literally about survival and longevity. And probably also piano, (laughs) right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like if you, if you're not healthy, yeah. I, I, I say the same thing. Like it's about versatility and longevity Mm -hmm. and like, that's it. You know, like you can't make it like something that it's not, you still have to have that artistry. Yeah. And, and I would say, you know, if you have to pick one, pick artistry, <laughs> and right. then like, and also just like limit to like what you can do healthfully, sure. <laughs> Which like maybe is more applicable to voice than trumpet, because there's plenty you can do vocally with like bad technique that won't hurt you, if it's just not mm. loud, not right. high, you know. Like you can have bad technique and great style, and have a ton of longevity. Like mm-hmm. Joe Beam, he's not singing in a way that's gonna cause nodules. It's just, it's too simple, oh, you know, Interesting. there's nothing athletic going on. So there's not really a risk of injury. Hmm? I mean, that's maybe like slightly reductive, but it's, it's pretty true. Huh. I mean, maybe his like old man voice is like, you know, <laughs> yeah. not as clear as it could be, but yeah. yeah, but that's just anyway. Um, yeah. Okay, great. So is there anything else? I know, like you said, you were 31 when you had that kind of like big light bulb of like, there's stuff m- in me
1: might be something inside. So,
0: is there anything else from like the decade of your 20s that you want, think is pertinent to this conversation of like shaping identity? So, like there's like three main things that I like to talk about. Like the the backstory of your skill set. Yeah. Like just how did you get there? How did it happen? Um the backstory of like your career. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, like, how are you making it happen? Yeah. And then, like, the identity stuff. Yeah. So, in that decade, I, I assume like that's where some of that career stuff is happening.
1: Yeah. And um, the things that feel pertinent. I actually had a really positive experience with the Lionel Hampton Jazz Festival. Cool. On, and, and this kind of contradicts some of what we were talking about before, maybe in some ways. Um, but the first year that I went and competed there, my freshman year in college, was when my identity was very rigidly attached to being the jazz guy. Yeah. And, and now back there's all then, these jazz guys. Yes. What do and, you do? And back then they used, to, they used to publish the results in ranked order. Whoa. Right? And so I went and played and was certain I would win. Cause I was yeah. the jazz guy yeah. and I got the list back and I was dead last. Wow. And that was a real kind of come to Jesus moment. Like, yeah. like, Oh, I'm delusional, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, like great, I have though. to, it was very yeah. good for me. And
0: it's, I mean, it's really telling that you kept going. And like, then
1: I kept going and kept going back. And then yeah. I watched myself move up in the way that, that these professionals were evaluating me and um, at one point I won it, and that was an incredible confidence booster for me.
2: yeah,
1: because I it was this it was sort of like, oh, it was tangible to me. It was tangible evidence that I was improving in some way that yeah. I could be considered. That is important. And that was really important to me. So you know, thanks to Lynn Skinner for making a beautiful. I mean, I got to hear Elvin Jones live. Wow. Um, I, I mean, I had just so many great memories of that. That was truly formative, That, yeah. that the work that, that Lynn Skinner did. And that, that was a beautiful festival and still is. I'm sure I haven't been in years.
0: But. Do you have any insight into like what allowed you to keep going? Because we all know, I mean, again, yeah. like these are these points where we lose creatives. Mm-hmm. And we've all seen it happen you know someone's a big fish in a little pond and then as soon as they realize they're in a bigger pond they just stop
2: mm-hmm.
0: or you know whatever so do you do you feel like you have any
1: I had to deal with comparison very young because my brother was as prodigious mm-hmm. as he was mm-hmm. so I had to like I literally was like well I'm not going to do that
2: yeah you I'm had just, to kind gonna, of just I'm know. just going to
1: keep plugging along over yeah. here and I fell in love with jazz in a way where it was like I really want to do that someday. Yeah. But I also was very aware that I was very late to the game. Yeah. And so I remember like having a moment where in my mind I was like, well, I can't practice 18 hours a day like (laughs) Charlie Parker or Art Tatum. But if I just keep going, by the time I'm 45, was the number I had in my head. Yeah. I'll hopefully be playing. Music at a like with peers, yeah. At an international ish, le- right, like, yeah. like that's. But I don't even like talking about levels, but you know what I mean, right? You start yeah. making music with, with people.
0: You start feeling maybe maybe that, you could put it like you're feeling like you can have a conversation of equals with people that, that I can you hang, super yeah. Admire
1: that's it, yeah. yeah. It's like that I can get that I can hang that I can get up and play and and contribute yeah. in that setting. Knowing um, that you
0: want to be a part of this conversation and you, you can. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's, um, so, but I knew it was going to take decades. I mean, I just had this sense of how, and it and then, and for some reason I was able to shift to, okay, then I'm just going to keep plugging along. I'm gonna have to figure out the career thing on the way because yeah. I can't make a living as a jazz musician yet. Cause I can't even
2: you're, yeah, play you're a basic tune. Yeah. I'm
1: not ready, but, um, but I'm never going to stop. Like there was just this, like there was a resolve. Yeah, It was like, I'm going to keep doing this. Yeah.
0: That kind of just like a determination. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like some of that stuff is like, I I also feel kind of plagued about these kinds of questions as a teacher, but do you feel like some of that stuff is just like, it's your personality? Like, Can you teach that?
1: (laughs) If, if it was taught to me, I became a Rocky Balboa fan as a young, Mm -hmm. young kid. You can do it. (laughs) And, and I think Honestly, like I know this is so, I don't know, sort of kitschy or something to say, but but having a story, a narrative that moved me as much as that Mm -hmm. did when I was kid, and I still am a diehard Rocky fan. Rocky's
0: fantastic. Rocky's fantastic,
1: and the whole plot of the first movie, right, is like that. He's it's the point isn't to win. Yeah. The point is, will I still be standing? Yeah. And something about that really moved yeah. me. It's so great,
0: actually it's funny that you're, I I just, <laughs> so. there's a Rocky, the musical. And there's, there's a, there's a piece from it that one of my adult students was working on this past summer. And wow she's like probably 36. And I was like talking about, you know, this is from Adrian's perspective. And she was like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. It was like, you need to go watch Rocky. <laughs> and she was like, laughed. Like I was kidding. And I was like, no, like, you should watch Rocky. It's actually like so good. Yeah. Like it's kind of pretty feminist and
1: (laughs) won (laughs) won the Academy award for best picture. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm, I'm totally there with you about, we we had, (laughs) we had a box set and uh, I watched Rocky one a bunch of times.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there was something about having that narrative actually.
0: You know, I think for me, like that's one thing that I still like wrestle with, with like my hair, my heritage of like, lds theology um this idea of like progress i i don't know why but like i as a young child like took to that idea in like a really intense way Mm. and also and kind of felt like you know i just am always going to be getting better at stuff and i think i think in some in some ways it became fairly pathological for me, which I'm working on in therapy now. Um, <laughs> but but I think like I, I, I relate to that in in that way. Like I think I always kind of felt like I f- see eternity, you know, as a child, I felt like I see eternity ahead of me mm. and like, it's a long time to like develop a lot of skills Right. and felt kind of,
1: so I'm just going to keep going.
0: Yeah. Had, had kind of like a, an eyes on the prize perspective in a way that maybe some small children don't sure. Um, yeah. And I think for me personally, like part of my kind of interpretation about that stuff was just like how miserable I was in my family, <laughs> you know? And I kind of mm. felt like these things are actionable, you know, like that kind of it gave me this idea, like what things were actionable, like the misery, like it, maybe it can get better, you know, like maybe oh, it's not permanent. It's not a fixed, saying. you know, yeah. like, like eventually I can like Show my parents that I'm like worthy of their love. Sure. Stuff like that. No, but I, I think
1: that was a huge, especially that what you just said for me. Um, that pre, I would just the way I would frame it, and really could be before that epiphany at 31 and after for me. Yeah. But before was the things I do I'm doing to try and become worthy of. Yeah. Uh, to have worth. Yeah. And now it's the things that I do spring out of a sense of worth.
0: Totally, It's so hard though. That's I remember like I, I, uh, when I was probably like 26, I, I downloaded the audio version of the power of vulnerability, Brene Brown's book. And just like bawled through the whole thing, like when she said, like at the beginning of the book, like you're worthy of love and belonging. I was just like, I don't know if I am. Wow. <laughs> like, just like, so I also like my my kind of like shift was long. It took many years. It wasn't a moment, and, uh, no, and mine started too. You know, slightly earlier. But uh, but yeah, that stuff. That stuff is it's tricky. It's tricky stuff. I I've been. Thinking about it a lot lately, like, you know, this, this, this idea, this like fixed mindset, growth mindset stuff, like if it has a double edge, it's, it's this idea that like, if you believe that like you can, you can earn more worth, like you have to make sure that your skills and your worth are not crisscrossed in, in, even in this fixed mindset, growth mindset stuff.
1: And it's so hard too, because the, there's, there's for me as a teacher anyways, it's like I have students where if I say to them <laughs> that, that, that art is subjective and just and you're, and you're already whole, so whatever you so just trust what's in you, yeah. they will take that as permission to be
2: to, to ignore work. Right? right yeah totally. so there's
1: this, so it's different for everyone, I yeah. think. Um, and it gets to the heart of when, right, there, there is subjectivity, absolutely. But there, to me, there also absolutely is such a thing as quality. Like I'm very, sure, yeah. I'm very, and I can but the interesting thing is I can't argue that without backing myself into a corner at a totally. certain point.
2: Well, But, but there sorry, is,
1: there is, yeah. like when I hear, when I hear Roy Haynes play the drums, something goes through me. Yeah. Right? It's like it's a spiritual thing i don't know i don't have a better word for it than yeah. that and that is different than uh yeah. someone well, you know well maybe
0: it's kind of like so
1: it's a tough like wrestling between the
0: i know subjectivity it's so hard. versus
1: quality and 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 then the a sense of wholeness versus growth
0: yeah you need to f- like it's it's hard to believe like if you believe you're whole Where does your motivation come from? And I think that's easy for some people, but my motivation as a young person was always because I didn't feel whole. Like I was very, I was very motivated by the lack of wholeness, but I think, or, you know, my perceived lack of wholeness. But I think for plenty of people, it's the opposite. If they don't feel worth anything, there's no motivation to be had at all. You know that that's what depression is,
1: <laughs> right? And my word for it growing up was real. I didn't have the word whole, yeah. but but I remember as a five year old sitting in my bedroom reading the Velveteen Rabbit.
2: Yeah,
1: and you know the story, of the stuffed bunny who wishes that they yeah. were whole, real, and yeah. I just knew I wasn't.
2: Oh, like, that sucks. At a fundamental, that's so hard. It
1: was super. Yeah, it's sad to look back yeah. on, and it's so much so that even like when I married Holly. 18 and a half years ago now i mean i told her about this feel like my whole life i carried this sense yeah. of i'm not real yeah i could tell i yeah. wasn't i didn't but i and it was like well how do i get to that yeah and um so that was my pervasive sense of well i'm not i'm not real yeah and i knew i wasn't real i knew i was there was like this disconnect some kind of
0: a disconnection mm-hmm. yeah that's and, so interesting
1: and i've since you know come to think of that as like there's this false self that I inherited. Yeah. Right. That's that like bizarro
0: authenticity. mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That rigid thing that we can, people that I tried to grasp onto, but it was really just like this artificial flimsy cloth. Totally. Ready to fall apart. But I was trying to make it everything.
0: Well, and it's hard when people around you are telling you it's, that's the thing that's real. Exactly. Which is really something that I've, I experienced. I've experienced that again and again. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I, I I think I've probably talked about this with you already, but, you know, when I was in high school or when I was a child, mm-hmm. I was such an artist and felt like if there's anything I felt kind of sure about, it was like there's something different about how I see the world. Mm-hmm. And everyone around me saying, like, this is silly. You need to, like, put that away. Like, you're good at math. Focus on that. You know, whatever. And then, you know, I went to North Texas and I felt very, like... um You know, in retrospect, it's hard to say whether this was like a box I put myself in or like if it was a team effort. But I think my like being the Mormon at North Texas was really uh, dramatic for me. Um, In many ways, I felt like my people's expectations of me were like really limited by that. Like I can't really be a risk taker. You know, or like, and jazz is so about taking risks. Mm -hmm. Um, How could I really be a a creative perspective when like I'm in this, uh, you know, ideology that's, that's not. And then, you know, and then just a few years after that, teaching at BYU and having this like, you know, oh, you're so way too risky and way too out there and, and feeling like a complete identity crisis, Mm. like None of these things have been true, but if everyone else, like if everyone around me is like seeing things that are like not true, like, but does it make them like more true if there's like, you know, everyone who's (laughs) in positions of power is like acting on those perceived truths, they're effectively true. You know, I mean, it felt that way to me. They're
1: socially for sure.
0: Yeah. Right. Which is why I started this podcast because- I, you know, if people don't have an opportunity to say like this is what's going on with my identity, that social stuff is yeah, real.
1: It's so real.
0: So I mean, it's my like tiny weird way of like trying I, to like I know, deal I, with that. I
1: think it's so beautiful too. I like this is still something. It's a really valuable thing to me to find the few people who I can really show up to. Yeah. To say like, this is it, this yeah. is this really is where I am, this is me. And there aren't a lot yeah. of people that I feel that... It's kind of scary. Are, uh, it's super scary. It's very scary. And, um, I th- but I think that's probably why I do music.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because it gives you that like, mm-hmm. that building bridges thing. Like mm-hmm. it lets you say like, here's this thing of me that... It's mm-hmm. difficult to verbalize or express in these other ways and, and yeah. when it's
1: really special, right? Like there's an unbelievable communal experience where yeah. the fourth wall comes down, mm-hmm. you the audience is with you, you're with them, mm-hmm. and somehow there's this profound understanding being shared. Just there's this, nothing better than it. It's like it's like we're all human. I mean, yeah. that's what I think it is, is like we we experience together our shared humanity in that it's it's sacred it's like i don't know it's also ridiculous i mean it's like i don't want to say sacred in a pious way it's like it's all of it it's the it's the ugliness and the beauty and the ridiculousness and the hilarity of it and the tragedy of it and the it's all of it you know
0: yeah it's kind of um it's unmasked it's like it's bare it's kind of laid bare well i was thinking earlier when you were talking about like you know, looking ahead and knowing like which conversation you wanted to join, if maybe that's an important part of this too, is like, you know, kind of trying to realize as a young person, like, or, you know, I don't mean like necessarily young in age, but young, early in your journey, um, you know, which conversation you value. Uh, I think that's been a tricky thing for me because if I'm really honest with myself, like the conversation that I'm super moved by isn't always the one that's like, you know, the academic choice. (laughs) Um, And, and I think like, sure. Yeah. That's something that I, that I, it took me some like, you know, a little bit of perspective to be like, I don't even want to be in that conversation. Like I don't care about it. You know? Wow. Um, so when we're talking about this subjectivity, like surely that's true. And like quality, you know, quality is objective per the conversation. Maybe, you know, like it's,
1: it's super hard to yeah I mean, it's so hard to even talk about, but I just know that there are musicians who move, yeah, in remarkable way move me in remarkable yeah. ways with their playing
0: that's your but that's your and
1: that's my that's, that's your
0: conversation
1: that that's a huge part yeah. of my conversation yeah. yeah i um
0: that's your channel, maybe, maybe, yeah. Maybe, I mean, but we all know, know,
1: like we've all had experience, (laughs) how many times have I heard people who are unbelievable craftspeople on their instruments, like, like stunning instrumentalists who did nothing nothing at all. Yeah. And I am not. And that's kind of like you talking about coming to that place where you're like, I'm just not interested in the academic slot channel of this discussion. Yeah. I'm just not interested in that channel. Yeah. Like for me I just came I've come yeah. to the realization that it's just like I have no
0: Yeah, you can I like wow no... me with your chops all you want but if there's not that thing, I do not care. I'm just do not, not care.
1: interested. That's yeah. absolutely right.
0: Yeah, it's kind of an it's kind of an emperor has no clothes sort of a thing for me.
1: Kind of that's yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: like if I feel like you're not being like if I feel like someone is on stage not being vulnerable, I am bored instantly, instantly. <laughs> it's,
1: like, it's like, that's cool. Do
0: not care. And
1: I also, I'm like, that's cool that you love that. Like I have right. no issue with like, it's like you do that. Yeah, That is not what I'm
0: going to do. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's important so. though. Like remembering that like, you know, everybody's operating in a different value system, which is fine. You know, like totally the fine. diversity of beauty There's is, is what we need. Yeah. Um, but can maybe kind of like not feeling like peer pressured into choosing like into pretending that you like a kind of beauty that maybe you're not that into. <laughs> right.
1: And there were, right. And there were, there were gateway artists for me, right. Yeah. That I might look back on now and go, yeah, I can tell that's not really happening, but boy, I loved it. And it yeah. was a huge part of why it I went down the path I went.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that vulnerability, like if I perceive vulnerability from a creative, it will give me that thing, which is maybe part of the reason why I love teaching beginners and especially like little kids.
1: They're so open.
0: Yes. And so I feel like I get that kind of like chills, like so much more frequently with like my little students than I get it, you know, at unnamed concert series, you know, Yeah. (laughs) Like, I just know that I'm, I'm, I'm personally more likely to get that thing when I'm in a room with like, you know, my 10 year old student who's like totally.
1: So with you on that, like I will take, I would rather hear a kid sing from that very open space. Yeah. Than go hear professionals. A three minute cadenza. Just knock it out of the park. Don't care. So yeah, if you're going to play (laughs) cadenza, Say something. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: No, yes. We're very much, it sounds like we're yeah, right there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's about the feeling, which is so intangible and there's no, there's not necessarily like a rhyme or reason. And sometimes, you know, I'll get it from a a, a performer once. And then the next time I see them, Maybe not as much, which maybe just, maybe it's just like the mood I'm in. Like am I open to it? Um, is there any other stuff with like just art and creativity that you've been like pondering on that you'd like to like (laughs) this platform about?
1: (laughs) This is a rabbit hole. Um, I know that you do. And because I love, I mean, I just, I'm, this is such, um, this is just so special and important to me. Like, the time that I take to really think about these things. Um, You mentioned before that, right, there's no way to put these things into words and maybe that's why we do abstract art. And yet the interesting thing to me is the more that I try to verbalize it, sometimes that gets me further away from it, but sometimes it impacts my
2: Yeah, I think we have
1: to try. I kind
2: of think we have to try.
0: Yeah, Yeah. It's important to try. Um,
1: I mean, I... right now one of the things that uh i'm spending a lot of time thinking about is um my relationship to uh to jazz music um mm. as a black american music right mm. as and here i am uh a white kid that grew up right white mormon kid grew up in rural southeast idaho yeah. um and where uh how to build a relationship with that that honors it, yeah, and um, and I've also been thinking a lot about um wanting to conserve the values in this art form, yeah, and it, um, and recognizing how deep it is, and that the 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 the, the amazing thing about it to me right now. And I'm gonna stumble a little here, so I guess That's, you have the power we to edit, it, right? Yeah. So, um,
0: like, I refuse to edit your stumbling. Oh, okay.
1: Sounds good. I won't good. do it. <laughs> um,
0: it's part of it.
1: But the more, to, it's been so important to me as a human being because a lot of the prejudices that I inherited growing up, the thing that had. The gentleness and ferocity Mm. to bring me to a recognition of that bias was jazz music. Yeah. For me.
0: Really relate to that. Do you? Yeah.
1: And uh, I I mean, mean, that's everything.
0: Those with similar backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And for jazz musicians, it's kind of our background is rare, I think. Right. Kind of rare. (laughs) Yes,
1: absolutely. So, so I
0: love how you said what the tenderness and ferocity
1: that, yeah, it's yeah. that, it's it that dude because that it, to me too. because there was a gentleness in that it was abstract enough that it didn't immediately attack yeah. those things. Yeah. It like welcomed me. Totally. And then I had to sit with, I mean, I was, I mean, I was raised in many ways in my community and in my, it, just the, the racism and the sexism and the homophobia and the, but that stuff, I mean, I remember the day, actually, it was my brother who played one of Billy Strayhorn's compositions. I think it's called The Ballad of the Very Tired and Very Lonely Lotus Eaters. Yeah. It's the greatest <laughs> tune title ever. And he just sat down to play it. And it was like, I just those fears, that homophobia and those... They just melted. Yeah. It was just like, it just this moment of like, well, how could someone write something that utterly human, beautiful, prophetic even, right? Totally. Like the, the, yeah. the changes in that tune could have been written yesterday yeah, and they would hold up. It totally. doesn't sound like a tune from the 30s yeah. and 40s. And I just... I don't know, like I've had so many experiences like that with, with race where it was like, well, there's just no way that, that there could be any substance to the racism I inherited if, if the like, one time I encounter the type of genius that just goes through my whole being is from somebody, right, who's yeah. African-American. And, yeah. and, and so that experience with the music and having it teach me that way it keeps teaching me that way. And the deeper I go into it, the more it teaches me. And so I've start to feel like I'm like carrying this really beautiful vessel. Yeah. And I, and it's so deep that I'm reticent to alter it too much because Mm -hmm. there's still depth there that I haven't even touched. Yeah. Right. And so my relationship to that tradition is coming alive in that way right now yeah. inside of me.
0: You're kind of feeling like the heaviness of that. Like, I, yeah, I I feel like I know what you mean. I mean, I have a bit of a different relationship with it because I'm not teaching jazz like you are. I, I never have been, you know, even when I was teaching. Um, I actually
1: like, don't teach jazz. Isn't that funny? Really? I mean, very rarely. Yeah. So there's kind of an interesting, yeah, it's but, hilarious. It's like I teach theory and ear training. Yeah. And trumpet, So you don't feel
0: like you have too much of like a mantle with that?
1: T- talk to me but about like, that. I, don't, too I think much I'm of just, I
0: think I'm just, I'm just thinking about this. I, I mean, I'll be thinking about it f- for at least the rest of the day and maybe <laughs> beyond, but, uh, but no, I like, I think I have a really similar experience, at least at the beginning. Um, like, I don't know that I could have put words on it as a younger person. And especially because you know, there was just nobody in my life who knew anything about jazz. There was just, was no one. Yeah. Um, You know, I had a, I had a, my high school choir teacher, like who taught the jazz choir, lo- like had a love for jazz, I think, but it was very um, limited. It, it was very like, like in retrospect, mm-hmm. like there was, ve- it was extremely limited. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, like, I mean, I... I had this thought as like a 16 year old, like what is, what is jazz? Like I don't know anything about it. Mm -hmm. And I drove my, my parents had gone, my whole family had gone out of town. This is a thing that happened to me when I was in high school a lot. My family would have gone vacation without me.
1: Oh my gosh. Um,
0: So I, I think I might've been invited and just like thought like it'll be such a relief to not go. Hmm. But my family has been on like many, many cruises, vacations, that I have never that I've not been on. And by the time I could drive, I like kind of stopped going on family vacations. And so I had this weekend that like nobody was home and I drove to Barnes and Noble and I went to the jazz section Mm -hmm. and because you know, the internet was like brand new Mm -hmm. and it wasn't, you know, there wasn't like stuff on there. Yeah. This is something young people don't understand. Even when we had the internet, it was kind of barren anyway. Um, I just bought whatever, like I'd heard of Miles Davis yeah, and like uh, kind of blue, which is like, you know, jazz people like make fun of this album, but it was like so important to me, but Who I makes bought fun it. Fun of that album. I mean, I feel people all the time being like, Oh, you know, kind of blue, but I oh, bought I it. I want to
1: meet them I and... went home. <laughs> that makes me,
0: I bought it. Just, I didn't know anything about it. No one recommended it to me. I just happened to buy like the most, you know, the most famous jazz album of all time, probably because it was, at the front of the display. Yeah. I went home, I put it on the like living room CD player. Mm -hmm. Um, and just like sat still and listened to it like five times.
2: Wow. And just
0: felt like, I don't know what this is. I don't have the vocabulary to talk about what I'm feeling right now, but like, I need, I need this feeling more often. Yeah. And then there was no one in my life who knew, who could give me any guidance. Good point. Yeah. And so I just kept going to Barnes & Noble and buying random stuff. Yep. Um and, you know, so when I went to North Texas, which like I luckily like I had this boyfriend whose guitar teacher from back in Texas had gone there, you know, it was like this passing someone was like North Texas, like I never had a teacher that was like North Texas is a thing. You know, right. it was like just this random so then I, I started like doing some research and when I went to North Texas, I knew so little, yeah. Like so little, but I knew that that feeling was the thing. And like at that point, the albums that I had were like, I had like Miles Davis kind of blue. I had this like Quincy Jones album. Uh-huh. I had like a best of Ella Fitzgerald. Yeah. And then I had like John Schofield and Modesky Martin and wood. Wow. Those are like the things that I had. And I remember like, I went to my audition and Paris Rutherford asked me like, who's your favorite jazz singer? And I was like, uh, I don't know any. Like, I didn't know any. Like I didn't, I didn't know any. I right. was like, Ella Fitzgerald And he was like, I mean, who else? And I was like,
1: that's who I, I like know. John
0: Schofield. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I think I had a really similar experience of like, I didn't know what it was. I knew it was something important. I knew it was something really powerful. Yeah. And, uh, and I, and I knew more and more, like the more I knew, the more I knew, like, if this is this and this is so good, this is so undeniably like good, like there's a goodness here Um, that, you know, as people around me are telling me like stories about the kinds of people who do this and, Mm -hmm. you know, or the kinds of people who do anything other than what I was told I was allowed to do are certain kinds of people like, I just have to, you know, there's, it's undeniable. Yep. Like if this is this, just all melts. then that can't be that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but I think maybe I don't feel quite as much the same, like worry about like how I'm like handing this music to others. Cause I just kind of am not. So I, I'm, I'm wondering yeah. like, if, you know, you're feeling pressure about like as a teacher or as something else.
1: It's not necessarily like I would say it's not a pressure I don't feel a pressure I just feel this very
0: or like a care
1: It's a care yeah yeah yeah, yeah. A, I a love preciousness. that word. like Yes yeah you like need this. to be careful about mm-hmm. it It's and for and... It's a
0: mantle I mean right like that's kind of what I yeah, meant like yes. it's a it's important
1: It feels important to me
0: And you need to be careful with it
1: Uh-huh and yeah. I want and I want to and I mean I do teach I, yeah, I do teach some jazz, I, sh- I guess I should say, but mostly I don't right now, but yeah. but I it just feels so important yeah. to me and I don't know, it's almost You're like it's a it, very so. intuitive yeah. like um but I know it has I mean for me it has to do with the way that it has captured this balance between I mean when I think about when I think about where it came from when I think about the horrors of chattel slavery and the way that, um, right, the purpose of the system yeah. was to erase individuality completely, yeah. right, and, yeah. to, and to dehumanize yeah. in, in, in ways we can't even, I can't even fathom or imagine, um, that the core, that one of the core values of the music the, yeah. that is that individual yeah. voice right prized above all else above yeah. technique above right but right. if but if but that individual voice and then that held in tension with
2: yeah.
1: community you define the individual voice by interacting
2: mm. in yeah. empathic
1: ways with right. other human beings not just. Um, it's not just self-expression, right? right. It's not, there's a, right. there's a, there's a discipline to translating whatever you're communicating into the language itself. Yeah. Um, and there's a discipline to, 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 to transmitting what you're saying right. with enough openness that you create space for everyone else too. Totally. It's astonishing to me. And yeah. I, and
0: that's a good word for it yeah
1: yeah i mean and so so that's something that i'm often thinking well, about kind of and like also a... think about my riddle, how how do i hmm. like i had this really disturbing and a waking up experience i went to the nasam conference this last year and i actually shared a little bit of what i just said to you about how yeah. jazz changed me and brought me face to face with these prejudices and yeah and um and this and this gentleman came up to me who was the the chair of a music department at a historically black college in Atlanta and he said he said, "Is that is that true? Did that really happen to you?" And I said, "Yeah." Yeah. And he said and he basically said to me, "You know, you we need allies like you." He yeah. said he said they would not listen to me the same way that they listen to you. And that initially like just the absurdity of that yeah. is like heartbreaking yeah. to me like i did like i don't even know how to it was the like the absurdity of my privilege yeah. as a white man just kind of like hit me in that moment because it's ridiculous yeah and then at the same time though here he was saying You've got to keep speaking you have to use that. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so I'm in the middle of trying to understand how do mm-hmm. I use that without centering myself again? How do I how do I become a meaningful advocate for these things while fully centering the art form and its history? Yeah. And that's a huge question on my mind right now. Yeah. I have
0: that's so important. Almost
1: no answers to.
2: <laughs> I mean, I think probably
0: so. just saying that is like pretty valuable. Like, just saying, like, this is absurd, but also, like, I'm going to try.
1: Got to try.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is important, and I I totally agree with you with Jazz about, like, it really is, that is what it is. Like, this, this individual worth, which for those of us that grew up struggling with that is such an idea.
1: It's a bomb. It's a, it's it's shattering and exciting and
0: terrifying. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: then taking that and being totally present and open with other people, sometimes who you don't know that well, you know, frequently who you've never played with before. Mm -hmm. And, um, man, the, the, the like human training that that can be. And I, and I think, you know, for me and i'm if you feel this way too i was not raised with any of those skills um and learning them as an adult and realizing like these are things that i learned i feel like also more of us need to learn these things how to be present right. how to like be f- and not just be present in the way of like letting other people have space but like Taking up the space that you can take up mm-hmm. and like making other spaces yeah um, and it, and it, I think about those things a lot <laughs> in terms of like my community yeah. as well like, one
1: of the one of the first lessons I learned as an improviser in a jazz setting was that if I only gave other people the space, everything died yeah. If I didn't offer something to do of my part. own, yeah, yeah, you have
0: to you have to contribute to.
1: Then it harmed them. Yeah, and that was a fascinating balance yeah. to try. It still is to try and find. Um,
0: it's a great like microcosm of like you know the the best potential in humanity. It
1: feels that way to me, and yeah. I don't mean to like I the like on the one hand I so totally agree with yeah. with that, and on the other hand I would hate for it to become. I would hate for some sort of idealization to strip away the mess,
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> you well, know, but the mess is part of what yeah. is just so stunning yeah, that's about true. it.
0: It's you're right. It's both. And I think, so, you know, humans are imperfect and right. institutions are imperfect yeah. and we mess these things up a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, at, at, at its best, it does that. And I think, you know, I have to assume that this is one of those, like, this is our conversation kinds of things where like, you know, there are visual artists doing, things that maybe like have similar effects and, you know, there are like chefs doing things that are having similar effects yeah. and, um, you know, which is why like I like to talk to people in all different mediums and see like what's going on in your medium. Like, totally. how is this affecting you? How does it affect the people who make and consume it? It just feels important. And at and at the, and at the very least, it feels like interesting and like worth exploring, For worth sure. being curious about.
1: And I only think it's going to gain value. I mean, even from a, this might be a kind of fun topic, an artifice thing. But even from a an economic place, like as things that can be automated are right? automated, totally, the humanities will become the most right. Yeah, and I the ti- and I will say so. the t- the type of science that is creative right so yeah. which there's so much creativity there mm-hmm. so but yeah i feel like it's only going to become more and more important as we move forward and Absolutely. and the other thing is as i look around at what's going on in the world around me and us yeah but i think to myself well how, this music did that for me yeah there was no real there was no reason for me to have my illusions kind of right. melt challenged and to let go of those prejudices that I inherited growing up, if this had the power to do that for me, then right. I, I have like have I'm, to try. I'm holding out hope that it has the power to do that for other people too.
0: I totally feel the same way. like that exact thing of like if this changed if this kind of stuff changed me this much, it's worth talking about. It's worth <laughs> yeah. like it's worth sharing. It's worth asking about. It's right. worth telling about. yeah, okay. I always ask everybody at the end, what's your okay. dream project?
1: My dream project? Yeah, or project? your dream
0: collaboration. And you can, sky's the My limit. Dream. So, well, on um, this so... day, the 24th of October, <laughs> 2019.
1: <laughs> bring something into the universe now. I mean, so, part... For me, I'm really, really lucky right now because I feel like I have that in some ways in my life right now, which is uh, playing in the Kobe Watkins Group Tet. Yeah, which is uh, Group
0: Tet is such a great name. So uh, yeah, it's so jazz though. It's (laughs) It's so so jazz.
1: Yeah, Kobe came up with it at a dinner at Applebee's, and he was like, "Trademark." (laughs) He's like, "I get. I'm keeping that." But um, that has been like the joy of my artistic yeah. life because I love just it. that collaborative of five people the the complete trust
2: yeah
1: the the That's risk the risk taking the, right? the yeah. like it's like we never know where the music's going to take us and but wherever it goes we will go there together yeah. and we will commit yeah and that is an extraordinary feeling it's a
0: gift yeah i, so, I haven't found my my version of that yet so hopefully sometime yeah. in the next decade or so that'll so can I ask you yeah. th- this is this is a question that I've never asked anyone. What's your what's your dream for like Utah? Do you have a dream for like our art community?
1: Yes. This is hard to talk about. I I know. <laughs> I really um <laughs> All right, gathering myself. All of these beautiful core values that we've been talking about in the music. Um, I, I hear pockets of it. Yeah, I little would whisperings. Love, I would love to feel like the community itself became even more... Um, at the service of those values. Yeah. I think I'll say it. Yeah. Um, and there are, I've been very inspired by musicians I've heard here. Um, I tend to feel like, um, for whatever reason, the way the scene has evolved, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of like wearing of hats. Yeah. Um, that I perceive on the scene where it's like, well, this gig is, this is, this gig's going to be all this kind of music. And this is mm-hmm. going to be this. And, and, and I, and I think that that's really valuable as a study. I'm re, I'm really excited to see more and more people say, and this is me.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. That's the, yeah. that's to me, it's like, yes, let's play, let's play gypsy jazz and hard bop and bebop and funk and fusion, whatever the genres are that people, but let's have that be a way of breathing life across forms. Totally. Um, And breathing life into, right? This is an Emerson quote that I love, but breathing life into forms already existing. Mm. There's just this, Mm -hmm. but I do feel, feel like there's room for that to happen yeah. here and, and, an ex, and it's like ready.
0: I think so too.
1: So I'm excited yeah. to be, it's a fun time to be here for that because That's I great. do feel like there's the potential for that evolution.
0: That's a nice perspective. I, so. I think I feel like that on my good days. Yeah.
1: I'm presenting my good day self. I'm being very careful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you. So. I mean, I appreciate it. Um, yeah. Okay. And then the last thing is tell people where to find your art on the internet.
1: Um, so you can, you can te- check out the Kobe Watkins group Tet. Um, Kobe
0: is K O B K O B
1: I E. Okay. Yeah. But at uh, uh, kwmusic.com. I think KWG. We'll figure it out and put I'm it gonna in the have to look it up. Notes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm at uh, RyanNielsenMusic.com, but I need a new web address that's better than that. <laughs> so, so there's um, another
0: Emily Merrill that has the same spelling as me, who's like a like a business coach. Yeah, it's problematic for me. Yes, she has yes. EmilyMerrill.com, and
1: um, but the projects it's that tricky. I'm the yeah the. Um, the group tet's first album movement was released last year and the chicago tribune actually named it one of the 10 best of 2018 wow, that's which was amazing. thrilling yeah and uh so we're excited about that with more on the horizon with an orchestral project and um and then i awesome. i have a a solo project that um that i'm hoping to record this year um with the members of the group tet band but it's a I wrote a nine movement suite, um, that's an intersection of my life with, um, the poetry of Samuel Allen. There's this, there's a stone in Ruggles train station in Boston that I walked past every day when I was at school there. And, um, and it had this poem on it called, um, Harriet Tubman, AKA Moses, and every day i would memorize one line
2: wow and just
1: for for 2 months that was yeah. my r- ritual basically and uh, and out of that came this this piece that I'm really excited to record this year. That sounds amazing. I
0: can't wait to hear it. It's going
1: to be fun. Yeah.
0: Well, Ryan, thank you so much for coming and being on my podcast. What a joy. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our music is by Jerem Hansen and artwork by Sarah Keel. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, please send me a note through my website, emvocals.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.